0: I'm Brittany Wilson. I'm Nia Wasink, and you're listening to The The Nonprofit Nonprofit Reframe. Because we know that nonprofits and their staff are undervalued, under-resourced, and
1: unrelenting.
0: Welcome back to The Nonprofit Reframe. Happy Monday, folks. We are actually coming to you on Tuesday, November eighth. It is Election Day in America. As of this recording, we do not know how far democracy has fallen. But we are trying to stay hopeful. (laughs) Yes, we are.
1: I feel like there's a lot of hype around these midterm elections.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right? (laughs) I don't know if it's just because I'm at a point in my life where I'm more aware of what's going on or what. But I just don't remember midterms being as electric. Maybe they were.
0: Well, I don't know that we've had some of the threats the country yeah. like we've had in the last couple of years so it makes fair. sense fair i mean fair. i was definitely hounding my siblings this morning my brother in denver i sent him all of his dropbox locations after yesterday i sent him his specific voter guide for his ballot to follow oh like i went a good through sister. i know i am like the best really but if you are my sibling and listening to this and you did not vote call for christmas Absolute (laughs) cold. Truth is, she already has your Christmas gift. (laughs) I do. (laughs) (laughs) Quick shout out to our patrons. We love y'all. We love that you keep growing. So this week we have added Marty, Kristen, and Caroline. Thank you so much. Yay. Thank you. And if you want a shout out along with additional content, go join patreon.com slash nonprofit reframe. We just finished. So, just a reminder that our Patreon
1: subscribers get a special episode on the weeks in between these where they hear updates about what's going on with us. And we just finished
0: one. So, if you want to hear what we just talked about, you got to go to Patreon. Awesome. And uh, today, the main entree. Interims and succession planning. You're already laughing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So exciting. So again, when we started talking about relaunching this podcast, and we started up the same old habit that we had before of like, hey, this would be a
0: great podcast episode. Hey, this would be a great one. And this one definitely rose to the top. Oh my gosh. Interims are appear to be at an all time high right now. I was just gonna say there are plenty, for sure. Plentiful, plentiful positions, not necessarily plentiful people to fill those positions. They're pulling people out of retirement, they're doing all kinds of things because so many organizations are trying to hire interim roles. And primarily, we're talking like director and above C suite type roles. I've seen interim CFOs, lots of interim CEO, ED, a lot of interim development directors. So the big roles with a lot of responsibility, which people are having such a hard time hiring for.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, I think for some of them, they're stri- strategically choosing to hire an interim first. So, whether it's they maybe had a leader in for a long time who left, and so they want to have a little bit of time to reassess what the actual needs of the organization are. So, they bring in an interim to kind of see, okay. What do we actually need to be looking for in our next full-time permanent leader? But then sometimes it's because they have no other choice. Yeah. So they can't find a permanent full-time person for the position. I know particularly with fundraisers in the last year has been so difficult. Mm -hmm. Multiple clients of mine doing multiple searches right? They go through the whole search and they just can't find the right person. So they go through it again. And then ultimately, hey, let's just get an interim in place while we're going through this so we don't lose forward momentum in fundraising.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, let's start and go back to our own working careers before we were both elite consultants. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever worked for an organization that had an interim in some kind of role?
1: Before being a consultant?
0: Yeah. Where you were on staff? (laughs)
1: Yes-ish.
0: (laughs) Yes-ish. Expand.
1: (laughs) Well, I was definitely, I worked for an organization who brought in an interim while they were going to do a full search Mm -hmm. for a CEO and then ended up just hiring that interim.
0: Which seems to be a really common thing.
1: Yeah. And didn't actually even go through the whole search.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's almost like boards use it. I mean, especially when we're talking CEO ED as like a testing ground. Mm -hmm. They put somebody in who they're like, yeah, I'd be okay working with them long term, but let's try it out.
1: But I also think and I get it like they want to do their due diligence. Right. So I mean, yeah, this internal candidate seems like they would be good, but like we don't really know what's out there. So I don't feel confident hiring this person internally until we see what our other options are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For sure.
1: And depending on how that actually is played out and communicated, it's not always like the fairest process <laughs> yeah. to the to the person that they put in the interim role. hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, we'll go ahead and date you, but we're not going to marry you until I see if there's anybody else out there I like better. Right.
0: Exactly. (laughs) It's awkward. Yeah. Well, and if they're in that role as an interim, they don't get to do some of the like cleanup work that a true interim gets to do. I often actually recommend that to organizations who have had a long-term leader, maybe even a founder, like hire a true interim before your next long-term leader, because there's going to need to be something cleaned up. Like there's just no way around it.
1: Right. Right. Well, and I think what also can happen from this, oh my gosh, I have so many thoughts, is that let's say you have an internal candidate who is a true candidate, right? And they're They're saying, okay, well, we don't really know, so we're going to put them in there. And then we're going to go look to see if there's anyone better out there. And then we find somebody better out there. Yeah. The odds that the person that is acting as interim stays? 1%. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So you've taken them from another key position. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been a candidate, Mm -hmm. right? So uh, whatever that is. Let's say it's like... Development director to CEO or ED or program director, and now you're going to have to hire the new person for the main role you were looking for, that head leadership, CEO, ED position, and then
0: now you have to replace the other position. Right, right. And like you said, like a true candidate. I mean, there are definitely times where staff members are like, I don't want this job long term. I'll, I'll serve as interim till you can find somebody. But like, that's not my goal. And you have a better chance of retaining them. But somebody who really thinks like, I'm up for this job. I want it long term. You put them in there as interim. They get a taste even for what that job is really like. And then you expect them to go back to the job they used to have. Absolutely not. You got to be prepared that they're going to leave.
1: I know. And even the first example that you gave, the ones that are like, I definitely don't want this job, but you like force them or talk them into doing it. <laughs> but now they've gotten a pay bump, right? right? They should get a pay raise. And they probably, even if they don't like the job itself, they have a taste of of that decision making, yep. right? <laughs> like, oh, I'm at a level now where I can make these decisions. And can I really now go back to a level where I'm getting paid less and don't have that same authority,
0: Totally. Yeah.
1: It's no good. No. It's no good.
0: No. I mean, you got to be super careful if you're putting a staff member into an interim. I've worked under and with interims before, but the most applicable story is when I was executive director of a nonprofit, I came in after another ED who came after a 30-year ED. Mm -hmm. That person was not meant to be an interim, but only lasted seven months. Uh-huh. And they should have hired an actual fucking interim. uh uh-huh. So then by the time I get in there, everything's an absolute fucking disaster. Yeah, totally. Things are like shriveling on the vine. I mean, it, it was just such a bad situation. And because that person wasn't an interim, they weren't doing like the heavy lift of reorganizing and fixing systems because they thought, oh, I'm going to be here for a long time. And then, well, <laughs> she ran off with a boyfriend. Neither here nor there. <laughs> But that board never should have put in their expectation of a long-term executive director after that, that 30-year ED. They need an interim to clean it up. It's so You
1: keep bringing that piece up, and I think for good reason. I mean, it's so important, the whole cleanup aspect of it. When you have somebody who has been leading an organization for two or three decades, it is going to be so hard to to find someone who can come in and quote unquote, fill those shoes, right? First of all, you're not going to want somebody to fill those shoes because you're probably going to want like new energy, not to discredit the work of the person. They might've been the best leader in the whole world for 30 years, but it's just the evolution of an organization. It's the life cycle of an organization that you need to bring in somebody who's going to infuse it with new energy, potentially some new ideas. And you have a staff that is so used to the way the last person led Mm -hmm. that anybody that you bring in that's going to be different from that is going to shake things up. Right. So that's like the big part of it, too, with leadership changes is this like attrition, this natural attrition that happens. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think the power of an interim is that you can actually like have them be the sacrificial goat. Yes. Wait, sacrificial lamb? lamb, Eh. Uh, whatever, farm animal, like have them do the changes, have everybody be pissed at them. And then when the new person comes in, they can build relationships back. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I think what's tough, though, what you have to understand is that when you bring in a true interim and know that that's the expectation, there cannot be an expectation then that that interim is going to move the organization forward, like grow it. Right, right, right. It needs stabilize, right? Exactly. So like shake it up Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit, then stabilize it and get it to a place that it can be handed over to someone who can then lead it forward.
0: Yeah, and like really cast the next vision for the, the organization. Yeah, you're exactly right.
1: I mean, have you ever seen a board who has an interim and then tries to do... Like a strategic planning process.
0: Oh my fucking God. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't even get it
1: out without laughing. It's just the most ridiculous thing. It's so absurd. It's absurd. It's absurd. And yet it happens. It happens and you're too like- much. You're like, what are you? E-? Well, it doesn't happen, is what happens. Right, yeah, yeah. But it's like, what are you even spinning your
0: wheels for? Yeah. This is not the time. No, no. I, for any of you who are like, wait, why would that be a problem? Your chief executive, your leadership team, is probably providing the most input to any strategic planning process. They're really giving you the sense of what's happening, where there's opportunities, where there are threats, like where can this organization go? If that person is an interim, they're not going to have their their finger on the pulse of that. Like they might have identified a few areas for improvement, but not like a strategic vision for the future. And your board certainly cannot hold that. I've never once seen a board that is equipped to do that.
1: No. No. And another thing about boards with this is, again, recognizing kind of the stages of the life cycle of the organization and recognizing that when you go into having an interim and you've lost a leader for one reason or another, and you have this time of potential shakeup and then hopefully finding your way back to stability, that you have to still be actively involved with that interim during that time yes yes absolutely how many times have you seen a board who is just like oh my god what are we going to do so-and-so's leaving they've been here forever okay let's just hire this person as an interim okay we're good uh yeah wash our hands of it we're good we've got somebody else in there we can relax now and like pretend like everything's okay no
0: No, when actually the opposite should be happening, like during an interim board engagement needs to increase because you're getting now like different intel, right? You're hearing from this person with fresh eyes about what's really going on and what you're going to need to know before you can hire the long term uh, leader, whoever it is. Yeah. And like, that's a
1: crappy job for an interim to come in, especially if there's things that they're going to be if they're the sacrificial farm animal like (laughs) you need to be able to support that person you're like hopefully they knew what they were getting into probably not nearly as much as they would have liked because the board never knows the board never knows and then they get in and they're like oh shit this is an absolute shit show and nobody told me i knew it was going to be difficult i had no idea it was going to be this bad So that person is going to need support through that
0: time and not just like, here you go. Mm -hmm. Good luck. Right. So you talked about like the dangers of having staff, existing staff as interims. What about current board members who walk into interim roles?
1: Oh, it happens all the time. I know. It's wild. It's so wild. And, you know, I know of one organization where a board member did that and then became the CEO. Yeah. And I know somebody who did that. I worked for an organization uh, down in Denver, and that's how the CEO became the CEO.
0: And she's been there like 25 years now. My first development director job, I was hired by an interim who was a board member. And so not to say that, like, it can't work. But I feel like there are some important things to avoid. Number one, if you become interim, uh, you no longer can sit on the fucking board. No, not a board member. This just came up recently. And when I say I was flabbergasted, flabber fucking gasted. How? How? How is this organization paying this person for daily work and they are still showing up in a governance role and voting on measures for the organization? How is that possible?
1: Yeah, it's not. It's not. And I think that we talk all the time on this show about those blurred lines, which really are not that blurry, but they get blurred Mm -hmm. all the time between roles. What is the role of staff versus what is the role of the board? And this is such a prime example, Mm -hmm. this situation, not just of a board member coming in as interim, but just losing the leader in general. So- Board now having to move past governance and really try to figure out what is going on. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it. Um, I worked for this organization where they had a longtime leader leave. They brought in someone full time, did a full search, paid a ton of money for them. It was a disaster. Disaster. That person lasted nine months, if that. So then they had to do a whole new search And meanwhile, the internal culture has just dissolved, right? Like it's just a wreck. It's a mess. And then they hire a new one. And so they've been like their hands deep into the goings on of the operations and everything. And it's like, okay, now we've got a good leader in place. And that person needs to establish trust with the um, staff and needs to be given the autonomy to lead. Okay, now you need to retreat board members, And they're like, wait, what?
0: I think that's such a good point. And it's so underappreciated. Like we do ask boards to step up, whether it's a search, whether it's an interim, etc. And then when they hire the new leader, they don't step back. Right. They don't reassess their role. No. And it always ends up so fucking messy.
1: So... You can imagine that
0: if somebody become is a board
1: member, you already have the power dynamic.
0: Oh my right? god! Right, you have this like
1: we, this weird power dynamic. So then, if you have a board member who becomes the leader of the organization, and then let's say they go back to being a board member, oh, uh,
0: yep. Like, how does that? It's like they they've peeked behind the curtain. Yep. Right. <laughs> Well, and now they're also like in this role of supervising somebody whose job they just did. Right. Like, oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't have done it that way. Well, yeah, you know, last month with Susie, we decided to do this instead. Like th- no board member should be able to have a position on a board and those conversations at the same time.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: I know. So it's just ripe with possibilities of things going south. Right. And again, not to say that it can't go well, but it's like you have to address that shit up front. You have to be really overt and transparent about the power dynamics. Like, let's talk about the fact that your interim is also one of your major donors. How is that going to impact relationships with staff? Yes. (laughs) Oh, my
1: God. (laughs) It's so fucked up. It's so fucked up. <laughs> like, oh, talk about an absolute, like, fundraiser's nightmare. So now Ugh. your major, don- one of your major donors is your boss? Ugh. What? <laughs> uh, and, like, questioning what you're doing and... Yep oh, that's just a nightmare. And then how do you go back to that? You know, it it really just reminds me of what we talked about in the last episode of committees and how I was working with that organization who created a whole matrix of mm-hmm. roles and responsibilities. Yeah. I was like very specific and wrote out like who has decision-making power? Who does this? Who does that? And I feel like if you're going to do any of these things, then you need to do the work of writing down what each person's role was, what the new role yep. is going to be, mm-hmm. and, then, and how that changes.
0: Yeah. And just have those conversations constantly, right? Like, that can't just be a document that you create once and it sits on a shelf.
1: Well, so let me ask you, between the two of us, we've probably worked for, what, like... Dozen or more organizations, 20, oh, yeah. 20 yeah, a dozen lot. organizations. How many organizations that you've worked for had a su-
0: succession plan? <laughs> 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 well, one of them had a document with the passwords in it. So that mm-hmm. counts.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking none, not a single uh-uh. one. And even organizations, this is what I don't understand, who have the, what do I want to say? Like, like I worked for this organization. We knew for over a year that the leader was leaving.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And yet you still would have thought we found out we were given 24 hours notice. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, nothing was done.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It just blew my mind of like, why do you not want to have these conversations?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there's like, there's so much emotion wrapped up in all of that. And it gets lost. Like the the work that needs to be done gets lost because of that. And again, ideally, you'd have a board of directors that would be like, okay, you're leaving in a year. We want the draft of your succession plans in the next three months, right? Like we want to review this. We want to have these conversations. But boards aren't doing that.
1: How about this? How about I worked for an organization where we knew for a year that the leader was leaving, there was a internal candidate that was a likely internal candidate and they were told as such Mm -hmm. by the board Mm
0: -hmm.
1: or some of the board members, not in a formal way, in an informal, hey, we think you would be great to step in line, Mm -hmm. to be the next one to come in. And so it was kind of That trickled down to staff. So staff just assumed that this internal person was going to be the next leader. Yeah. And then as we're getting closer to the leader leaving, the actual leader leaving, there becomes this power dynamic between the one who's in office and the one who may or may not be moving into that office.
0: Oh, gosh.
1: And where there was a lot of work being done to like future work. Like there was like mm-hmm. a really robust strategic plan and the organization was growing and there were a lot of decisions that had to be made. And so it's like, well, who has the decision-making power? The one who's right. leaving or the one who's coming in? But because it was never formalized that the one was actually coming in, they were never given that authority. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. What a mess!
1: And so it just got so muddled, and it created internal power grossness. That's <laughs> that's
0: the technical term. It was really <laughs> ewy.
1: <laughs> it was ooey, yeah, and it was super confusing for the staff, particularly when the board then finally, at the eleventh hour, was like, "We're going to do a search." And the stuff's like, what are you talking about? For a year now, we thought it was going to be so-and-so. Like, why are you doing a search?
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Again, I I think probably, like, becoming a consultant. I mean, it's obviously stuff I've already known. But now to see it in quantity with so many different organizations. Right? Like, I'm working now. Instead of one organization a year 15 organizations a year and so I'm seeing the same dynamics like at each one playing out and I don't know I'm just struck by how boards have such an impact yeah on organizations and yet don't know it yeah yeah it's like the gravitas is lost like Like, I don't understand. Don't you realize, like, what this is going to mean for this organization long term? And yet you're not doing the homework that's necessary.
0: Yeah. How about the opposite of that?
1: Ooh, give it to me.
0: An interim who came on and basically went full Elon Musk on the organization.
1: Oh, just let everybody go?
0: Yeah. Basically turned over the entire board to friends of theirs, let a bunch of the staff go, gutted the programs, and I really, that to me, all comes back to that original board. How the fuck did you let an interim do that?
1: That's insane. Insane. Is that organization still around?
0: Nope. She gone.
1: <laughs> the, like the whole organization's gone?
0: Whole organization's gone.
1: That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like this is the power that a board has that, I don't know, i like. I want to rethink the whole board structure.
0: I know. I want to get rid of them again, but it just
1: doesn't make sense. Another podcast. I know. That's another. Po- I just don't think it's like the job description. It's like they come in at a ownership level, but they feel like it's only a manager level.
0: Yeah, yeah. We can't end this without talking about fundraising interims, development interims. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> you think?
0: <laughs> I'm like
1: technically the interim for three different organizations right now.
0: <laughs> Amazing.
1: Oh, which sounds really irresponsible, but it's not, I promise you. Like <laughs> one sunsetting, two more just starting, like it'll all be okay.
0: She says to herself every night.
1: I know, but I'm like, yeah, they need help. They need so much help.
0: I know. So the context for this, I think, is important. And I actually shared this article on our Facebook page already. But the Chronicle on Philanthropy just did a bunch of research on what's happening in fundraising right now. Like, why can't anybody hire? They say 9 in 10 fundraisers said that unfilled fundraising positions have significantly increased their workload. 89% agreed that their nonprofit didn't employ enough people to raise as much as they had the potential to attract. And we know, I mean, the front range right now is a wash. A wash with all of the openings. I don't know oh, why yeah. I couldn't come up with that word. That's all right, that's all right. Yeah. I
1: was searching for it too. Yeah, I mean there's a gajillion openings yeah. right now. For sure, for sure. I I mean, again, I've said it before, I'll say it again, I think that the great resignation just took a little bit longer for our sector, because we felt a duty to stay in it. Because in the midst of the pandemic, we were helping those that were the most vulnerable, not taking away from like frontline workers, you know, I'm just saying, like, we were already dedicated to the mission. And then we were seeing what, especially for human service organizations, and like food banks, and that sort of thing. Like, people needed us more than ever so we're like we got to double down mm-hmm. and now it's like uh i'm tired like yeah. i can't do this people can't keep that kind of schedule and pressure and and so they're just opting out
0: yeah yeah exactly and they're finding better paying jobs mm-hmm. elsewhere, whether in the South self- sector or or not. You know, we got a lot who are just leaving entirely. And fundraising jobs are hard to fill. So what do they do? They find interims instead. Yeah,
1: it's true. And, you know, I do think I want to shout
0: out to the state of Colorado. Oh, all right. <laughs> Rare government shout out. Let's yep. do it.
1: Well, for finally passing that, what was it, that bill, that law that makes it so the employers have to list the salary.
0: Oh yeah. The pay transparency. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Because I think that that has done a lot or is doing a lot too for the sector of like, you're going to have to pay these people. If you want a full-time fundraiser now, like you got to pay them what they're worth. Yeah. And because there is, there are so many openings, there's a real kind of for lack of a better term, like bidding war for people, right?
0: Of like Yeah, totally. Well, and I think it's interesting too, like the organizations. I mean, this has been happening for years, but it's just even more now. The organizations that are like, well, I'd rather bet on a newer, greener fundraiser who I can train. Yes. And really like develop them in this position because I either can't afford or can't can't find somebody who already has the skills in place.
1: And that's hard because nobody's got time for that.
0: Nobody's got time for that.
1: I mean, this is another thing. Well, I think I talked about it in the last episode, but people don't have full development departments much anymore. Right. Like all those positions failed. That's why they're hiring third party event contractors and they're mm-hmm. hiring third party grant writers and they're contracting out the positions that they can because they can't they don't have them in-house. So who's training the development director?
0: Oh exactly. Yeah. I mean you hire a green development director, who's who's training them? Mm-hmm. Well, they're hiring us as like interim above that whatever it is to like do the training and strategy so that the actual staff member can implement it right which i think is an interesting concept too like you know when you think about interims and fundraising my biggest concern always is who's going to do the donor development because an interim should not be developing relationships with donors because exactly. they're not going to be there long term exactly so you have to have somebody to do that exactly
1: Yeah, I know. And it's tough. I mean, I'm all for people entering into the sector, right? We need you. Like you're the future (laughs) of the sector. But I think that's scary too, right? Because while finding permanent fundraiser right now is hard, those that are still in it, for the most part, are fairly committed to the profession. Like that's what they do. So it's hard, to hiring someone who's brand new, hoping you can develop them. Like, are they going to stay? I don't yeah. really know. I mean, oh, I, totally. it's a gamble either way. But yeah,
0: the pros and cons. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do see the silver lining, though, on the fundraising interims is the opportunity to really shift how fundraising is done. Like how we're talking about executive director interims who come in, shake things up, stabilize. Fundraisers who can come in and, like, upend fundraising practices and be like, we are going all in on community-centric fundraising. The donors can be pissed at me. I'm the interim. But we're going to set up systems that really are anti-oppressive, that are based in equity, that align with the organization's values in fundraising. And then the organization can hopefully hire somebody who will continue to live that out.
1: It's such a... Well, I said that not... Exactly. But I said something similar to a client today who was complaining about lack of board engagement and that she had sent out an email three times to board members asking for help on something and have gotten no response. Mm. And I think that there's something nice about when you come in as an interim and you they hire you because of your experience, right? So when you're talking to them, you have this experience behind you. And so I say like, that's not right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Like, that's not right. And that's really up to your board president to mm-hmm. be setting the expectation for board engagement. You can't do that as no. development coordinator. <laughs>
0: no.
1: Your boss can't even do that. It needs to come for the board president. And so I told her, I was like, look, let's see how many people respond to your third email. And if we don't get the response we need, I will talk to your board president tomorrow. And I was like, I'll be the bad guy. I don't care. I was like, I'm not here for that long. Mm -hmm. So I can at least come in. And that's kind of what I see my role as interim is coming in because allegedly they're hiring me because I know best practices, right? So Mm -hmm. I can come in and say, this isn't best practices or this is best practice, or you really need to be doing this, or you need to be doing that. And you can make, you can shed some light on some Mm -hmm. of those areas that they need to kind of step it up a little bit, so to speak. Yeah. And hopefully they respect your opinion, right? Mm -hmm. And um, they listen to you because I think it's so hard. You know, you're a brand new person who comes in, even if you're brand new, you come in and start saying, well, you can't be doing this, you can't be doing that. They're going to say, whoa, you just got here. But since like our role is for such a short time and we're considered like a quote unquote expert, we can come in, have the hard conversations, hopefully set the next permanent person up for better success and then peace out.
0: So it sounds like the moral of the story for all of this is like interims really being used from a change management perspective to shift things in the organization, get it on solid footing, and then hand it off to the next person who can do the next level of change management, which is much more relational and, and deeper um, to make sure that it is maintained. I love that. I think that's exactly right.
1: I think the other takeaways that we talked about today is you got to have the bigger picture in mind and you start, you have to start planning, right? Mm -hmm. If all of a sudden somebody says, well, you know what? So-and-so would be great. They're on the board. Why don't they do it? Okay, let's stop and let's write out all the implications of that. Like, what are the pros? What are the cons? Like, how would this shift dynamics? How long would this be for? Who would, you know, what would they do after it? You know, like have the bigger picture in mind and go through all of that before you're just like, whew, okay, great. We've got someone who can
0: fill in. We're done. Yeah. And have those conversations transparently. Yes. Like the power dynamics we talked about all the way down to like the actual policies and like bylaws implications. You need to have that conversation early and often. Yes. Yes.
1: All right, all right, and put a succession plan in place. Holy Jesus moly! Christ, yeah, please. come on. Like you know, things are going to change. You never know what life is going to bring. So have at least it. It started right.
0: Yeah, exactly. And,
1: and if you have an ED, this is the last thing I'm going <laughs> to say, I'm sorry, I could go all day. I know. If you have an ED or a CEO who comes to the board and says, "I think we should put a succession plan in place."
0: Don't freak out thinking that means they're leaving. Right. It just means they're thinking about the future of the organization, which you should be doing anyway. Exactly. So look at it as a good sign of, like a sign of a good leader. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I will step off my soapbox now.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, with that, make sure you are following us on Facebook and and Instagram at nonprofit reframe. Email us nonprofitreframe at gmail.com. We've got a couple more episodes planned out, but then we're gonna need new topics. So tell us what's going on. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks, folks. Take care. Don't forget to become a Patreon subscriber for behind the scenes content starting at only $3 a month. Learn more at patreon.com slash nonprofit reframe. We would like to thank our sponsors. Brittany Wilson Consulting helps nonprofits raise even more money through fundraising, coaching, training, and event production. Learn more at brittanywilson.com. That's B-R-I-T-T-N-Y-Wilson.com. Mission Launch is a Colorado-based consulting firm working towards social good in all sectors through fundraising, board governance, strategy and planning, and equity support. You can learn more at missionlaunchco.com. And Jake Walker Music, who provides our theme music. You can find him at jakewalkermusic.org. Thanks for listening.